All right, what's up, Elevate? We doing good? Yeah. Anybody excited to be here? I'm excited. I'm excited. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Robert Andrews. I'm one of the pastors here at Elevate Church, and I just want to thank you for coming. Uh, today, we are wrapping up a series we've been in now for four weeks called Emotion. And what we've been talking about are things that we need to set into motion in our life. And we started the series out by talking about miracles, how there really are times in all of our lives, and there are seasons where that's exactly what we need. We need a miracle in our life. And so we talked about things we can do to set a miracle in motion. Uh, then we talked about trust, how we need to set trust in motion. Our problem is we tend to put our trust in a lot of the wrong things. We put our trust in money. We put our trust in possessions. We put our trust in wealth. We put our trust in a lot of things that God never intended for us to put our trust in. And so the truth of the matter is we need to put our trust in in God and God alone. And so we talked about how to do that. Then last week, we talked about setting passion in motion. We talked about how God passionately loves us, how God passionately pursues us. He loves us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for us. And because God so passionately loves us, you and I really ought to passionately love him and follow him and serve him. And so this week, I want to talk to you about setting gratitude in motion, setting gratitude in motion. Thanksgiving is coming up. How many people are you ready for Thanksgiving? Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm ready. And, uh, you know, I, I was thinking about uh, Thanksgiving. It's a day we're supposed to be thankful. And I was thinking about Thanksgiving this past week, and uh, I couldn't help but think about the story of the preacher who bought this old parrot. You know, it's a true story. This preacher bought this old parrot, and, man, that old parrot, he would cuss. You know what I'm saying? He'd use a lot of language he wasn't supposed to. A lot of language parents, uh, parrots and parents uh, shouldn't use either. Uh, but anyway, so that old preacher would always have to fuss at that parrot for, for saying language he shouldn't use. And so, man, it just frustrated the preacher so much that one day the preacher even slapped that parrot around. You know what I mean? And so it got so bad one day that without even realizing it, man, the preacher grabbed that parrot, went over to the freezer, threw him in the freezer, and just shut the door, man. And he left that parrot there for five hours. He actually forgot he put that parrot in the, in the freezer. And so, man, when it dawned on the preacher what he had done, he ran to the freezer, opened up the freezer, and there was that old parrot just kind of balled up, had icicles hanging from his beak, you know, and ice on his, on his wings and, and all that. And as soon as that old parrot saw the, the preacher, man, that parrot said, Sir, my attitude has been unacceptable. My speech has been inappropriate. And from this day forward, I'm going to be kind, I'm going to be thoughtful, and I'm going to be considerate of everybody who walks into this house. And so the preacher was shocked. The preacher said, man, well, I appreciate that. That's great. And the parrot said, well, preacher, can I ask one question? Preacher said, sure. And the parrot said, hey, what, what did the turkey do? <laughs> and 9 o'clock was like, what? The 9 o'clock service, they didn't get it, man. I appreciate y'all laughing. Uh, anyway. Hey, look, Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm not a fortune teller. I'm not a psychic. I'm not a palm reader. And so I don't know really what you think about when you think about Thanksgiving. You might think about just getting a break from work. You might think about getting a break from school. You might think about uh, just getting together with your family, maybe watching uh, football as Mississippi State beats Ole Miss. I don't know. You might think about shopping. You might think about hunting, or you might think about eating some turkey, or maybe two or three turkeys. Again, I, I don't know what you think about, but you know what Thanksgiving is really supposed to be all about? Thanksgiving is supposed to be really all about you and I giving thanks to God. 
Giving thanks to God, because whether you realize it or not, if it wasn't for the goodness of God, there wouldn't be anything to be thankful for. See, folks, God is good. He is. He's good all the time, and all the time, God is good. And you've got some good things in your life. How many of you, you got some good things in your life this morning? We've all got some good things in our life. Well, do you know where those good things came from? They came from God. You said, I'm not so sure about that, Robert. I bought my television. I bought my car. I bought my house. Well, maybe you bought it, but do you know who gives you the ability to work? It's God Almighty. Do you know who gives you the ability to save? It's God Almighty. And the Bible says this in James 1.17. It says, every good and perfect gift is from where? It's from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. See, folks, man, God's been good to me. And when I wake up in the morning, man, I just look around and I got so much to be thankful for. I'm serious. I'll wake up in the morning, I'll go into the bathroom, and there Amanda will be. She'll be brushing her teeth in the in the in the mirror, you know. And I'll just look at Amanda and I'll just remind her, I'm like, hey baby, do you know that I was sent from above to bless you? I'm just a blessing. Good blessing. She just kind of, you know, she's brushing her teeth or whatever. Anyway, but again, I'm just kidding. I don't ever do that. But but I look at her. And I, I think, you know what, I'm thankful for my wife. I'm thankful for my good wife, my perfect wife. And that verse says that every good and every perfect gift, where is it from? It's not from you. It's not from your friends. It's not from your family. It's from where? It's from God alone. We need to make sure that we are thanking God properly. In fact, I want to show you a story today that I'm sure that you've read before. I want you to see a story uh, that I'm sure you've heard before uh, in, in the Bible that talks about this individual who gives God thanks. Not only does he give God thanks, but it's obvious that he has set gratitude in motion. If you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to Luke chapter 17. That's our main passage today. Luke chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 11, and here's what the Bible says. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem. Now let me stop for just a second. This he is there is talking about Jesus, as Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, he traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Verse 12, as he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them. Everybody say one of them. Let me hear it a little bit louder. One of them. That's pretty good. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. What did he do? He came back praising God, thanking God in a loud voice. And verse 16 says, he threw himself at the feet of Jesus and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Again, we're talking about setting gratitude in motion. And so what I want to do is I want to point out three things to you right from our passage of Scripture uh, this morning that I noticed, and I think I want you to notice, and I think God wants us to notice. If you're keeping notes, you want to write them down. The first thing is this. I want you to see the Thanksgiving leper. The Thanksgiving leper. Now, the Bible tells us that as Jesus was entering into this area, he was going into a village. And as he's going into the village, the village is over there. But as he's going in, he's met by 10 men. 
Now, there are three things about these ten men that uh, I want you to see, three things that are the same for all of them. And the first thing, if you keep your notes, you want to write them down, that's not, not going to be on the screen. But the first thing I want you to see is that all ten men had the same disease. They had the same disease. They had a skin disease. They had leprosy. And leprosy was a terrible disease. If you study leprosy in the scripture, what you're going to find out is that it was a devastating disease that would cause parts of your body to fall off. Literally, piece, your fingers would, would rot off. Your ears might rot off. Your nose, it might, it might rot off. Your eyes might look like they were, were basically eaten out of your body. And all of these guys had this terrible disease. And the Bible says that they stood at a distance. Now, why were they standing at a distance. Well, you got to understand that during this time that if you had leprosy, you were considered unclean. If you were unclean, that meant that you were an outcast. You were basically an outcast. Numbers chapter 5, verses 2 and 3 tell us that if you had leprosy, you actually weren't able to live in the city. You weren't able to live with your family. You weren't able to live in your home. A lot of times they would even come and destroy your home in case the disease had gotten into your home. And so right here, we're also told that they're outside the village. They, they just had this terrible disease. Leprosy also meant that you had to rip parts of your, cloth, your clothing as a sign of deep sorrow. I mean, you know what I mean? To have this disease was terrible. Not only did you have to, to rip parts of your clothing, but you also had to cover up your face. Why did you have to cover up your face? Well, can you imagine looking at somebody whose nose was falling off and their ears were falling off? How many of y'all be like, man, I'd love to look at that every day. Anybody, you wouldn't want to do that, right? You wouldn't want to do that. So again, they had to keep their face covered. Also, something else they had to do is they had to cry out unclean whenever they saw someone walking towards them. Why did they have to do that? They had to do that as a warning. They were warning people, I'm unclean. Don't come near me because during this time, if you touched someone who had leprosy, it automatically made you unclean clean. And so if you had leprosy, that meant that you didn't have intimacy with anybody. You didn't have any friends. You were basically isolated. You were a, a total outcast. That's what you were. So can you imagine, can you imagine having this terrible disease? Can you imagine how, how, how depressing it would actually be to have this, this disease? Can you imagine how lonely having, having this disease would make you feel. The Jewish leaders actually taught that if you had leprosy, that you had this disease because God was punishing you. They said, hey, you've got this disease because God is punishing you for a particular sin in your life. They believed that if you had leprosy, it was because God didn't like you, because God didn't love you. Again, if you had leprosy, you lost everything. You lost your home. You lost your family. You lost your job. You lost your wealth. You lost it all. And so the scripture tells us in Luke 17, 12, that all 10 of these men had the same disease. But something else that I want you to see about these guys is not only did they have the same disease, but they had the same desire. They had the same desire. What was their desire? They obviously had the desire to be made whole. They had the desire to be healed. They had the desire to receive mercy from Jesus. They had the desire for Jesus to touch them. So they all had the same disease, they had the same desire, and something else right from the passage is that they all had the same deliverance. They had the same deliverance because the Bible says that when Jesus saw them, he told them, go and show yourself to the priest. 
Now, why would Jesus say that? Why would Jesus tell them to go and show yourself to the priest? Well, like I said earlier, if you had leprosy, you were considered an outcast. You couldn't be a part of society. And the only way that you could be welcomed back into society was if the priest declared you to be clean. That's why Jesus was telling them to go and tell the priest. But here's what's interesting. Look at verse 14. Here's what the Bible says. It says, when he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priest. And the Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed. I want you to see that last part there. And as they went, they were cleansed. Here's what's amazing about this miracle. What I want you to understand is that obedience came before the miracle. They weren't healed and then they went. The scripture says that as they went, they were healed. What this shows me is exactly how important it is for you and I to obey God. What this shows me is how important obedience actually is. Do you want God to do mighty things in your life? If so, you'll be obedient to God. Do you want God to do the miraculous in your life? If so, you will be obedient to God. Do you want God to do amazing things in your life? If so, you will be obedient to God. I'm telling you, extraordinary moves of God, what they do is they begin with ordinary acts of obedience. They do. The Bible says that as they went, they were cleansed. I don't know who needs to hear this this morning, but maybe you're here and you need something done right now in your life. You need God to do something big. You need God to do something miraculous. While you're waiting on God to do what only God can do, you need to be obedient to the things he's already told you to do. You do what you know to do and wait on him to do what only he can do. The Bible says that as they went, they were healed. And you know what happens? Man, I I can picture this scene. All 10 of these guys had leprosy, made them an outcast. Can you imagine as as they're going and as they're going, they're being healed? Can you imagine what's going through their mind? Man, I can't help but think one of the guys' name was Bubba. And Bubba's walking down the road, you know what I mean, with all of his buddies. And he looks over at old old Jethro, and he says, Jethro. He said, man, your nose is back because his nose had fallen off. And so Jethro, he starts looking at his nose. You ever tried to look at your nose? You go cross-eyed. Jethro got all cross-eyed looking at his nose. He said, my nose is back. And he's so excited. And so Jethro looks at Bubba and he says, hey, Bubba, give me two because all his other fingers had fallen off. You know what I'm saying? And so Bubba went to give Jethro two. But when he did, there were five fingers. And Jethro said, Bubba, that's five. And Bubba was like, it is five. Man, they were all excited about their healing. But one of those guys stopped and said, man, this is amazing. And he said, I got to go back and I got to give thanks to Jesus. Because look at verse 15. The Bible says, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and he thanked him. Folks, this guy was thankful for what Jesus had done for him. This guy was grateful for what Jesus had done for him. And what I want you to understand is this. Every blessing that you get, every blessing that I get, every blessing that all of us get, if we don't turn it back into praise and if we don't turn it back into thanks, it turns into pride. 
When God blesses you, when he blesses me, if we don't turn that blessing back into praise, it turns into pride. And we start thinking, you know what? It was me who worked it out. It was me who got this job for me. It was me who changed my situation. I'm telling you, every blessing God gives you that you don't turn to praise turns into pride. This guy understood that it wasn't himself who had healed himself. It was only Jesus Christ who had done the miraculous. And this guy was fascinated. This guy was fascinated with Jesus. And so he had to go back. He had to get near to Jesus. He was fascinated. Because the truth of the matter is, whatever you are fascinated by, you will fasten yourself to. Let me say that again. Whatever you are fascinated by, you will fasten yourself to. When I first met Amanda, my wife, I was fascinated. I'm still fascinated. I, I, but when I first met her, I was fascinated. And we got married. And we fastened together. And some things happened. Yep, some things happened. And now we got three kids. <laughs> right? But I was fascinated by her. And when you are fascinated by something, you will fasten yourself to the problem with so many people in this world and even in this room is that we're not fascinated with God. You want to know why a lot of people look for excuses why they shouldn't go to church or why they can't go to church? It's because they're not fascinated with God. You want to know why some people don't even pick up their Bible to read God's precious word during the week? It's because they're not fascinated by God. You want to know why some people don't pray, why some people don't think about the things that God wants them to think of? It's because they're not fascinated with God. God, I'm telling you, whatever you are fascinated by, you will fasten yourself to. That's what happens. I'm telling you, this man was fascinated with Jesus. And he couldn't wait to get back to thank him. He couldn't wait to get back and give him praise. I'm telling you, I see the Thanksgiving leper. But there's a second thing that I see in this passage. Not only do I see the Thanksgiving leper, but I see the Thanksgiving Lord. The thanksgiving Lord. See, there were actually two men in this passage that are thankful. There's the man who had received healing. He was thankful for his healing. But then there is Jesus who was thankful for the man's thankfulness. You hear me? Jesus was thankful for this man's thankfulness. I mean, think about this. You know the story where Jesus took... Five barley loaves and two small fish, and he fed the multitudes. How he took five loaves and two fish, and everybody ate, and they were they were full. I mean, everybody was watered and fed and ready for bed. You know what I'm saying? It's a miraculous thing. They were full. They ate so much. But you know what he did before he performed that miracle? He gave thanks to God. When you go back and you look at the Last Supper, the Lord's Supper, Before he served that meal to the disciples, what did he do? He gave thanks. Jesus, when he was praying, and in John chapter 11, verse 41, he says this. He says, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Here's what I want you to understand. Somebody said, I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Well, if you want to be like Jesus, you need to understand that Jesus was a very thankful person. Are you a thankful person? Am I a thankful person? You say, is it really that important? Yeah, it's really important. 
In fact, I, I want you to know what God's will for your life is. There's so many people who say, man, if I just knew what God wanted me to do, I would do it. Anybody ever say that? If I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt what God wanted me to do, I, I would do it. Just me, anybody else, you know what I'm talking about? Well, let me show you exactly what God wants you to do. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says this, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What is God's will for us? It's to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in every circumstance. I'm telling you, folks, I see the Thanksgiving leper. I see the Thanksgiving Lord. But there's a third thing that I see in this passage. I see the Thanksgiving lecture. I see the Thanksgiving lecture. See, folks, Jesus knew how to really zone in on the, the, the issue. He knew how to get to the heart of the problem. And I want you to see what he says in verse 17. He says, we're not all ten cleansed. Where are the other nine? Here's what I want you to see. Jesus noticed the ingratitude of the other nine. I mean, it's, it's right there in the Bible. Where are the other nine? He noticed the ingratitude of the other nine. When they were ungrateful, Jesus noticed that. He noticed it. It got his attention. And I've often wondered if even today the numbers aren't still the same. I've often wondered if even today only one out of ten people actually thanks God the way that they should. You say, Pastor, is ingratitude really a problem? Well, apparently it is. Apparently it bothers God. Something else that I want you to see about uh, being ungrateful is what 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1 says. I want you to see this. It says, but mark this. There will be terrible times in the last day. Anybody ever seen any terrible times? People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, and un-what? Ungrateful. Folks, one of the signs of the end is that people are going to be ungrateful. Doesn't that describe our society? You ever open a door for somebody and they just trip them, right? I'm just kidding. Right? But again, I want my kids to be grateful. Are there any other parents that's what you want for your kids? Man, Lawson Cruz, he's two. My son, he's two. I got a 13-year-old, I got a 10-year-old, and then I got a 2-year-old. And Lawson Cruz, he he doesn't know a whole lot of words, right? Anybody anybody else, your kid just don't know a whole lot of words. Some of y'all are like, my husband don't even know a lot of words, right? He don't know a lot of words, but every night we get together and we pray together. And I'll say, hey, let's pray together, buddy. Let's put our hands together. And then he'll say, okay. And I'll say, now I lay me down to, and when I get to sleep, he says, sleep. <laughs> I'll say, I pray the Lord my soul. To, and he'll say, keep. And I'll say, angels watch me through the night and keep me safely in their sight. Amen. That's what he does. He yells it out. And then after we say our prayers, we sing the wheels on the bus go round and round. We sing bingo, a couple other songs every night. That's what we do. And he, that's how he is. He'll say like certain words. He just, he just yells them. He just yells them out. 
But again, he doesn't know a lot of words, but there are times in his life where he will want something from me, right? There are times in his life where he will want something from me. The other day he wanted a cookie. He wanted a cookie, uh, and I wanted a cookie too. And the night before, Amanda had made these triple chocolate cookie, uh, triple chocolate chip cookies. I don't even know what they are, but I ain't making y'all none. They're too good to share, okay? They're good. But like, so, so we, we were at the oven, and there they are. They're in a Ziploc bag. Well, there's only one triple chocolate, chocolate chip, whatever it is. It's good. I don't know. There's only one left. And he wanted it, but I wanted it too. But because I'm a good dad, I, I went to give it to him. I said, now, now what do we say, Lawson? And I was wanting him to say, Tanku. That's what he said. I was wanting him to say, thank you. But guess what? He didn't say, thank you. In fact, he snatched that cookie out of my hand and said, my cookie. I said, Robert, what did you do? I'm going to tell you exactly what I did. Ain't no shame, man. I went over and grabbed that cookie, snatched it from him, and put it all in my mouth. <laughs> Don't judge me. Those are good cookies. <laughs> You're just crying. Listen to me. Things would have been a lot different if he had just said thank you. Things would somebody's gonna make him some cookies now. I know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Things would have been a lot different, even if he didn't say thank you. If he'd have had the right demeanor. Listen to me. See, there are times where I will give something to Lawson, and he doesn't say thanks, but he smiles at me and he'll hug my leg. That's the kind of response I was wanting. Well, think about this. Jesus gives each and every one of us so much. And I think sometimes he gives us things and he's waiting on a response from us. He's waiting on a response from us. And a lot of times what we do is we just take that blessing from him and we act like we earned that blessing. We take that blessing from him and act like we did something to get that blessing ourselves. And I can't help but think that as Jesus looks at us in those moments, he goes, huh, I wasn't aware that you had the ability to wake yourself up this morning. I wasn't aware you were the one who was able to part seas. I wasn't aware you are the crusher of giants. I wasn't aware that you're the one who can make a way when there seems to be no other way. I'm serious, there are so many people when it comes to God, all they do is take, 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 take. And they never thank, 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 thank. Folks, God has been good to each and every one of us. He's been too good to each and every one of us for us not to live our life with an attitude of gratitude. I read a story about a guy named Jack Hinton. And Jack was a worship minister. He was a worship pastor and he got asked to go and lead worship in a, on a Caribbean island uh, called Tobago. Well, so when he accepted the invitation, he was unaware that he was being asked to actually go to a leper colony to lead worship. But he accepted the invitation, and he went. He said that every night, 
Every night of that revival that they were having, there was this one lady who would walk in and she would come and she would sit on the back row, but she would take her chair and she would turn it around and face the back wall. She wouldn't even face the front. And it just upset Jack. Every night she did this, he thought the, the nerve of that old heifer, that's what he said. That's how he described it. I wouldn't have said it. But he said the nerve of that old heifer. And so he said they went through that entire revival, and he said on the last night, he asked if anybody had any requests. Are there any songs that you would like for us to sing together? And he said that when he asked that question, that woman in the back, she turned around. And when she turned around, he could see that her nose, she didn't have a nose. He could see that her, her eyes were basically eaten out. And she raised her hand, and when she raised her hand, he could see that her, her fingers had basically fallen off because of leprosy. When Jack acknowledged her, she said, I got a song I would love for us all to sing. So Jack said, what is it? And that woman said, I would like for us all to sing, count your blessings. And Jack said when he heard her say that, he couldn't help but run out of that tent. And he began to cry uncontrollably. And one of the guys who was with him came out to check on him, asked, are you okay? And he said, yeah. And he said, you're never going to be able to sing that song again, are you, Jack? And Jack said, no, I'll be able to sing it again. I'll just never be able to sing it again the same way. I'll never be able to sing it again the same way. Jack knew it was time for him to start singing that song with a really thankful and grateful heart. See, folks, I'm wrapping up. I'm almost done. But only one. Only one of the ten men came back and thanked God. Only one of the ten men came back and praised God. My question today is, will you be the one that praises God? Will you be the one who thanks God? Because I can't speak for you, but I can speak for myself. And I want you to know that I'll be the one. I'll be the one because God has been so good to me. He's been so great to me. I'll be the one because Jesus touched me. He cleansed me. He saved me. He transformed my life. I'm so thankful that in 1995, a kid from the wrong side of the track was transformed by the life of Jesus. I'm thankful that my name is written in heaven. And even when things on earth don't seem to be going the way that I want them to, I can shout on credit. I'll be the one who praises God. I'm telling you, I'm thankful for salvation. I'm thankful that God thought it. I'm thankful that Jesus brought it. I'm thankful that his blood brought it. I'm thankful that the Bible taught it. The devil fought it. But one day in 1995, I caught it. I'm thankful for salvation. And I believe God is looking for other people to say they're thankful. Will you be the one who gives God praise? Will you be the one who gives God thanks? Will we be the one? Who thanks God for who he is. I'm telling you folks. God's been too good to each and every one of us. Too good. For us not to live our life. With an attitude of gratitude. God is good folks. And it's time. It's time that we set gratitude in motion. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, 
I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk. But maybe you came in here today. And when you look back on your life here lately, all you've been seeing are the things that are wrong. You've neglected to see the many, many blessings that God has given you. And if you'd say, you know, you want to just say you're sorry for not being more thankful, for not being more grateful. If you'd say, Pastor, pray for me that I'll, I'll learn to be thankful. If that's you, just raise your hand right where you are. Amen. Amen. A lot of hands. Father, as your people, oftentimes we do get sidetracked by inconveniences in life. But your word says that your will for us is to rejoice always, to pray continually, and to give thanks in all circumstances. So right now, as your people, that's what we want to do. We just want to thank you for life. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder if you're here today and you walked in and you don't know that life-changing grace. You've never given your heart to Jesus. You've never given him your life. I'm telling you, it's the greatest experience that I've ever experienced in my life I wouldn't trade Jesus for anything in this world and so if you're here today and you know you want to be saved you know you want to surrender to him you know you need to surrender to him right where you are I'm going to ask that you pray this prayer Father would you forgive me of all of my sins Save me, Father. I confess you as Lord, and I confess you as Savior. Will you transform me into a completely new person? A new person who will rejoice always, a new person who will pray continually, and a new person who will give thanks in all circumstances. Father, help me to live for you. Thank you for dying for my sin. You're who I need. Again, our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, but I wonder today if you're here today and you prayed that prayer to be saved. If you do me a favor, right where you are, would you just lift your hand? You gave your heart to Christ today. One, two, three, four, amen. Five. Thank you so much, Father, for new life. Thank you so much for saving grace. Father, I just pray that every day we'll realize how blessed we are. You are so good all the time. Thank you, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.